How many believe God is here right now? That God is in the midst according to his word. Matthew one twenty three is our springboard scripture. I'm going to go quickly into the word. It said, and the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. God with us. We talked about God with us is the secret of peacefulness for the Christian, with peacefulness for the Christian. I want to tell you this true story. It was around Christmas 1944. Bert Frizen was fighting in the Battle of the Bulge, hit by enemy shrapnel, badly wounded and unable to move. As a matter of fact, I read this true story when I was invited to speak uh, at the uh, Port of Tampa to uh, they had admirals and they had uh, some high-ranking Navy and Coast Guard officials there and people who were in on leave uh, at Port Tampa. Uh, and this is true. He lay out on the battlefield waiting for death or whatever was to come. Much of the time during those six hours, he sang softly over and over again the words of the song he had learned from his mother. There is a name to me most dear, like sweetest music to my ear. For when my heart is troubled, filled with fear, Jesus whispers peace. Listen, if you can have peace like that, in those kind of circumstances, if, if you are connected to God and you can put your trust in him, in these kind of circumstances, uh, then, then you're going to discover that Jesus with us is indeed that consciousness of his presence. Now, I'm anointed to preach, and I, from time to time I have shouted, amen, and I'm not too old to shout. I want you to know that. I may be sore the next day from the shouting, but I, I'm not too old to shout, amen. As he was singing this over and over and experiencing that peace of God, which is really the presence of God. See, peace is not separate from him. He's the prince of peace. His name shall be called in the old covenant. His title shall be a man, the, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. And of all of those titles that were given to him, the most dear to all people is Prince of Peace. Why? Because we live in a tumultuous, troubled world. In this world, you will have tribulation. Anyway, the Bible said he heard a sound nearby. Opening his eyes, he saw a German soldier standing over him with a gun. This is it, thought Bert, and he waited for the shot. But the German soldier didn't shoot. He said in English, sing it again. Sing it again. As Bert began to sing the song again, he felt the German lift him in strong arms, place him on the ledge of a rock. His own medic spotted him a few minutes later and took him to safety. Jesus had whispered peace in the midst of a storm. Hallelujah. He had met a Christian soldier. You know, you assume that everybody in a foreign army, that there are no Christians that were 
conscripted to fight that were not there because of politics. They may have been a farmer. They may have been a storekeeper, but they were and they would have been killed if they didn't fight. But here was a Christian man. I remember, remember the Hanoi Hilton Hotel where many of our airmen were held prisoner, a notorious prison camp during the Vietnam conflict, the Vietnam War. And the, the senator that passed away recently, John McCain, was held in the Hanoi Hilton Hotel. And he said, you know, they were, they, every day they expected to be killed. They were tortured there. But there was a guard that was always kind to them. Every chance he got, he was kind to them. And they were wondering why that he was so kind to them when everyone else was so cruel to them. And one day as they were standing waiting for, for, you know, to be inspected, whatever they did, they had them all assembled. Before the, the person in charge of the prison, a very cruel man, came out. This guard was standing there guarding them and said he looked him in the eye, slipped off his sandal, and in the dirt he took his big toe and made the sign of the fish. You know what the sign of the fish is? I'll make you fishers of men. It's kind of a universal sign. You, have you ever seen it on the back of a car? It's a universal sign of Christianity. He's saying, I'm fighting in an alien army because I have to, but I'm a Christian. And I'm going to show you kindness. Praise God. Honey, I'm, on, I'm glad to know there's peace in the midst of storms like this. But that peace is in a person. It's not just spiritual Novocaine that numbs you to the situation. It's a person that comes alongside you. The Bible said that his grace is sufficient. You see, grace in and of itself, the acronym, you can't just recite the acronym for grace and find sufficiency for your weakness. What is, what is grace? It's unmerited favor. The acronym of the word would be God's riches at Christ's expense. Well, that's true, but that's not what grace allows. That's not what makes it sufficient. Grace allows God to not just allow you to come behind the veil into his presence, but it allows God to come from behind the veil into your presence so you can experience his presence because he's come to you. Amen. Do you understand why it's so sufficient? I'm going to tell you something. If you can experience the presence of God in your life, I don't mean just goose pimples. I mean, when peace comes, I said at that funeral yesterday, you're laying in the back of an ambulance with two strangers that are deeply concerned about you. They're filled with fear in your behalf. And you hear them talking to the emergency room. People said, we're bringing in a, we're bringing in a six, at that time, a 65 year old man. I'll be 73 next month. Uh, in case you want to go ahead and, and put the down payment on my Escalade now, uh, give me fist bump. I'm on, it's not going to happen unless you can do it for me. I don't know. Uh, amen. But when I told you I had joy, don't, don't, don't. Listen, I, I wish I could inject you with, I can't do it. It's in him. It, peace is in him. I did not feel what I feel when I feel the anointing and the power of God come on me. But I felt something better than the power of God. I felt the person of God and the peace of God with me. My wife 
is the closest person to me. We are become one, the Bible said. Takes two and he makes one. It's mathematics like you've never heard it. Amen. In God's kingdom, one and one, and one make one when we're unified by the Holy Spirit. Amen. But in the back of that ambulance, the person and the peace, normally I sense the person because of the power. But this time it was better than the power. Amen. It was the peace, and it is a peace that passes understanding. That means it's supernatural. Can you say amen? I can tell you, having been that close to heaven, knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door, amen, that I know what's going to happen when it comes time to truly go home. That person and that peace. When you go through the fire, it will not kindle upon you because I'm there. So it's not just the fact that you've been delivered from it. But in the midst of it, you have not only one who can deliver you and will deliver you from it until it's time to go home. You have one who will give you peace right in the midst of the fiery trial, in the midst of the furnace. And I thought, Lord, you are better than I've ever preached you to be. You are better than I've ever been known you to be. I have. I was in a tent meeting with R.W. Shambach. It just happened to be him. And you know the anointing that come down in those old tent meetings. And I was in there and I thought, boy, it don't get no better than what happened tonight. I was sitting by a guy and he was in a pinstripe suit three-piece vested suit. He was a young black man, and he was just dressed. I thought, man, that guy, that guy looks like he stepped out of GQ magazine, and he was straight-laced, and he was just dignified, and I'm sitting here, and I, I'm wondering, is he going to get this? Is he really, you know, when the power begins to fall in under this tent, is he going to get it when people start shouting and speaking in tongues? I, I was kind of concerned that he might not get it you know if you're not under that anointing and sensing that anointing uh, you you feel kind of you know taken back by all of that well i'm sitting there worried about how he's going to react and sure enough there was a point in the service praise god the power of god began to fall and i don't know when the spirit of the lord hit me but I found myself running around that big old gospel tent full of people, running full out. Don't know when I got up and started running, but I came to myself. I was running wide open. You know, and you kind of say, I hope this is God, because if it isn't, this is going to be very embarrassing. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> For me and him. <laughs> And while I, was, while I was enjoying this presence of God that I just could not contain, I saw a guy running in front of me, and it was that guy in the pinstripe suit. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I said, Lord, you poured it out on both of us right back here at the same time. And I thought, Lord, it don't get no better than this. I want to come back tomorrow night and run again. <laughs> Hallelujah. But it does get better. It does get better. That peace that passes. I was preaching when I went through nervous exhaustion without pursuing that peace through that person to trust in with all my heart, lean on with all my weight. Under a mighty anointing to preach, I went through nervous exhaustion. The power wasn't diminished on me, but I had not pursued the peace by leaning on the person that I was declaring to others myself strongly enough. 
I was deceived by the enemy. He set a trap for me. I read in the scripture as I felt the pressure building where Paul said, and that that cometh on me daily, the care of all the churches. And I thought that that carrying the burden of all the problems was part of my job responsibility, my job description, and the proof of my devotion to Jesus because I'm, I'm burning out, but I'm burning out for God. No, if you burn out, you're no use to God. Amen. If I burn out, I, if I worry about all the people that are not here today and where they are on Jesus' birthday, I'll carry that home and kill my Christmas. But I have to give them to the Lord and say, Lord, I hope they fall in love with you someday. Amen. I hope you become important enough in their life. Amen. At this holiest of holy days to give the honor to you. I don't mean just go and look at a, a, a living Christmas tree and enjoy the program. I'm talking about want to be in God's house and want to worship the king. How many believe he deserves to be worshiped at Christmas by Christians? We shouldn't have to reiterate that. Amen. That's why I quit Winn-Dixie so I could be in God's. I didn't quit it because I was called to preach because I wasn't called to preach. But I was called to worship God. And I was told in his word to not forsake assembling myself together in order to do that with the brethren. Amen. And I left that job. And I'm going to tell you something. God took good care of me. Hallelujah. You know what he said in the old covenant? He said, you, you make money when they are dishonoring him. He said, you're making money hand over fist, but you're putting it into bags with holes. You're compromising to make it, but it's not going anywhere. It's not achieving anything. Something's always draining it right out. You don't have to compromise when the kingdom is first because the king is first. We used to sing it, didn't we? Love is a flag flown high in the castle of my heart because the king is in residence there. When the queen is in residence, there's a flag flying. Amen. From the house that she is in. And when the king is in residence, love is that flag. Love for God and love for the brethren. Listen to me carefully. God is so good today. I'm glad I got a heart to be here. I'm glad I want to be here. I'm glad I don't have to be here. I am drawn here because I know that I'm going to have an opportunity to worship my king and to glorify my God. It's like a little girl that said, well, whose birthday is it? When she saw the commercialization. Well, whose birthday is it anyway? Is it truly what God intended it to be to us? It's a sacred time. I felt it as we sung Agnes D. Oh, we worship you in spirit. We worship you in truth because you are worthy. Peace is in a person. If you lose that person and that relationship with him, you will never achieve that peace. Never achieve that peace. I treasure peace more than power. Because if you've got power without peace, you've got all of that mighty supernatural armor on. But you don't have your shoes or your boots on. You don't have those, that piece of armor that is underemphasized. And yet without it, none of the rest will function. You can have an army with a helmet, a breastplate, a sword, 
and no shoes. The hobnail boot of the Roman soldier gave him stability to stand and fight with all of that arm. Without that boot that gave him stability, he can't stand his ground. Christians without God's peace, though they know the word, can't stand their ground in the time of the pressure and the problems and the trouble. They find discouragement creeping in. They find doubt prevailing where faith should be winning. Without peace, you can't use the word. You can't be patient without peace. It's peace that allows for patience. Patience don't give you peace. Peace allows for patience. Because you have to know in your heart God is with you and God is for you. And really, you have to know it in reverse order. It's not enough to know God is for you. You've got to know God being for you means he can be with you. He can come from behind the veil. He can come to where you are. He can manifest his person and presence in the back of that ambulance with these frantic, this frantic man working around me. And he said, are you, are you having difficulty? And as the stroke was affecting me, it was affecting my breathing. And it's not a good feeling when you, you feel you can't get a good breath. And, and uh, I said, I'm having a little trouble that I can barely talk, a little trouble breathing. And he gave me the oxygen, and I just thank God for the oxygen. And I just relaxed. But then as I, you know, normally this would drive my blood pressure through the roof you're having a stroke you may be dying only God knows but when that peace comes it addresses all of that it puts you in a place where just like the guy that's singing it God's listen somebody came to him sufficient grace means that God can come to you wants to come to you wants to be with you He promised David, I will be with him in trouble. When the trouble comes, I'm going to be right there with him. I'm not going to be aloof in my heaven that he has to somehow get a hold of me. I'm going to be with him when the trouble comes. Hallelujah. God with us when the trouble comes is the secret to our peace and our joy, even in the time of tumult and the time of trouble. Praise God. Hallelujah. And when that person let that peace envelop me, I knew he was with me. This is beyond the run and the shout. And I continue to enjoy the presence. And sometimes I'm, I, I can't contain it. When I do, I shout and I dance and I praise him. I am still Pentecostal. Amen. But I'm a Pentecostal pursuing peace, not just power. Amen. Pursuing peace. If you lose that peace, then we are no different than the world about us. The wicked are like the troubled sea. What makes the sea troubled when the storms cause And the winds cause it to be agitated. Winds so strong, so buffeting, that even seas that are miles deep are agitated. Agitated to such a degree, 
Now, I'm talking about the sea, not a pond, but the sea itself agitated to such a degree that the, the agitation of the waters is stirring up the dirt from the bottom. The wicked are like the troubled sea whose waters, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, unto the wicked. You know what the tragedy is today? That there are tongue-talking, Bible-believing, spirit-filled Christians. That the storms of life have interrupted their peace to such a degree that with access to all the armor of God are living in defeat. The anointing on Samson when the Spirit came on him didn't keep him from the temptation that led him to the compromise. So if you seek power only and not peace, you're ill-equipped to win battles. You just can't win them. I know ministers that stand in pulpits and preach, and it's not the people I meet with. I've met others through them that have no peace. They are troubled. Some are closet alcoholics, closet addicts. Not all. Thank God for true blue, dedicated people. But the longer you live and the longer you associate with people with mighty anointings, you find out that God's treasures are indeed in clay vessels. We're in a generation where people are backsliding with no concern about being backslidden. The love for God has waned and it's okay because I'm having a good time. But I'm going to tell you, someday you may take the ride I took. And all of that compromise will not allow for the peace that you're going to need when it occurs. Let me tell you how that peace works. My son had a, how many ever had a battle with your faith? Your faith has wavered and you've struggled. Anyone else? Before we have an altar call for not being honest. Amen. <laughs> Let's try that again. How many ever had a battle in that area? A battle with doubt. Amen. I've had them. That's why my faith has grown deeper. It's through winning those battles that your faith grows. It's not through never having a struggle. It's through finding victory through that struggle. Amen. My faith has grown deeper because of the struggles. I remember my son, he got sick. He couldn't eat. And he got pain in his stomach and all down in this area of his body, Matthew. And he was in his room, and I prayed for him. And you know, this caught me. The devil's strategies catch you at a particular time. I was worn out, and I was wore thin. And I hadn't had time for my personal devotions because I'm too busy working for God to take time for personal devotions. I'm busy serving the Lord. I'm going to, uh, going to uh, mission fields, and I'm radio ministry, and I'm hospital ministry, and I'm church ministry, and I'm counseling ministry, and I'm just a minister. I'm jail ministry on top of everything else. But I'm wearing thin, and then this trial comes. And I went in and prayed for him with all the faith I could muster, and he got worse. 
I went in and I decided, well, this is a spiritual thing now. This is some battle the enemy's involved now. And I'm, I'm going in, I'm going to take authority over the devil. So I asked God to move and then I took authority over the devil. And that's all right. All that's in line with winning battles. Nothing changed. And I'm becoming frustrated and impatient because I don't have his peace. I got the sword. I know the word. I got the shield. I believe I've got faith. But I don't have patience because I don't have peace. You can't have patience without peace. First sign you don't have peace is because you can't wait upon the Lord. You can do that if you've got peace. But you can't do it if you don't have peace. And they that wait upon the Lord, what happens? They will mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and they will not faint. Can you, the devil don't want you doing that when trouble comes. Can you say amen? So I just got upset with God. Now that's going to really contribute. Now I'm, I'm not even going to ask you if you've ever been upset with God. He knows if you have. And he still loves you. And he's still willing to help you, but he can't help you till you get rid of that and deal with that. And I said, Lord, if you're not going to help him, I am. And I said, son, come on. And in my heart, I was thinking, I don't, I'm, if it's my lack of faith that's keeping my son from help, and he's writhing in pain now. I said, if it's my lack of faith, I'm not going to make him suffer for my lack of faith. And I put him in the back seat of the car, and we drove straight from where we were to the university at that time, University Community Hospital. We arrived at the emergency room, and they took him into a room. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Something happened in the parking lot. I'm in the parking lot of the emergency room of University Community Hospital, questioning God, questioning my own faith questioning God's faithfulness and the Lord spoke to me as I was riding around in that condition I told you he'd still love you I said I told you he can't help you till you get rid of it but he still loves you and he said are you really going to put him in the hands of man and not trust me And I said, no, Lord, I can't do that. I can't just trust that the doctors, as good as they are, and the medicine as great as it is, the expertise they have, without you, that's all. If they can't help him, I have no one. I will not take him in here until I reestablish my faith in you. And I said, Matthew, can you wait just another couple of minutes He said, yes, Daddy. He's hurting. And I drove out of the parking space, and I circled the hospital. And I said, Lord Jesus, I don't understand this, and I am so sorry. But, Lord, I need you to help my son. Don't let him be punished for my lack of faith or my failure or anything on my part. Please help my son tonight. My trust is in you. 
You see, when that, and peace came. Peace came. Peace came. And when peace came, I could wait upon the Lord. That anxiousness, that panic, that I've got to make something happen is gone. See, he's in God's hands. I'm in God's hands. It's in God's hands. And I don't know how to explain this to you. But if my son had died in that hospital room, there was a peace on me that was said God called him home. There was no failure on God's part. There was not even a failure of my faith because I just reestablished it and reconnected with him. What do you do when you're power-centered instead of person-centered? What do you do when your faith begins to waver? Amen. The power in itself won't keep you. The person will. Peace is in a person. It's not just spiritual Novocaine that numbs you to the reality of your hurt or your pain or your circumstance. It is a person that is manifesting his peace to you through his presence in your life. So we went in there together, God and my son and me. They take his blood test. They do the lab work. They show it to the doctor who's dealing with other people. This is a busy emergency room. He comes back. She comes back and says the doctor says after he read the report that the blood count, the white blood count, is the same as someone having a severe appendicitis attack. Something is wrong in his body causing this pain. And it's severe. And I said, all right. Okay, however this is going to go. See, when that peace gets on you, you don't have to get a good report to continue to trust God. If that peace is there, but if that peace isn't there, it's all based on what happens next after you pray. When that peace comes, it don't matter. That, did you know, before I went in, I had all of these concerns, but in there with God's peace, reconnecting with God, hallelujah, <laughs> Listen, you, you need a faith that works in the emergency room, not just down at church on Sunday. Can you say amen? Amen. Come on, that's when it really, oh, if we, so, come on, Charles. We need a faith that works in that hospital hooked up to all this stuff, and the doctor comes in looking all sad and somber and saying, I don't know, it's really getting rough. And you're saying, Lord, where are you? What's up? What's going on? Hallelujah. Keep your trust. When that peace comes, you can keep trusting. And, and I said, Lord, no matter what, my trust is in you. And the peace of God was there. Down, down in the hallway, down we could hear another room, a man who was drinking and driving, the nurse said, because I asked what's wrong with him. Uh, he was crying out in pain. He had so much alcohol in his system. They couldn't give him anything for the pain because the alcohol in that would have an, in he was so inebriated. He hit a power pole he went through the windshield it had cut him all to pieces and nothing for the pain and he's crying out help me oh god help me oh whether he knew the lord or not you know a lot of atheists cry out the same stuff when they're in that kind of trouble someone said there's no atheist on a battlefield so i heard him crying out and I said, Lord, I'm so glad I know you. I'm so glad I don't have to cry out to a God who 
I don't know enough to trust. I'm glad that you are with us here. And all of the sudden, while I'm praising God, my son sat up. And I said, Matt, are you okay? He said, Daddy, Daddy, the pain is gone. I said, he said, I'm thirsty. He couldn't keep anything down. He couldn't eat anything. He said, Daddy, I'm thirsty. And I asked the nurse, I said, can he have some water? And she looked and she saw the change. She saw it with her own eyes. And she said, I don't see why not. Brought him a glass of water and he drunk it. And then he said the next thing, Daddy, I'm hungry. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. And I told the nurse, I said, God has healed him. God has had to heal him. And she's looking at me like, you know, she hated to agree because you know how it is about all of that. And people of science, and you're talking about God, and they're not even sure he exists. And if he does, nobody can prove it. And all of that's agnostic stuff. And there's some Christian people filtered in there. Thank God for that. But she couldn't deny that it had been a radical, dramatic change in my son after a prognosis of severe problem inside him somewhere. And, and I, said, I, said, I said, we don't really need anything else uh, except you, the confirmation that I can take him home. He wants to get something to eat. He's hungry. There is no pain. She saw the change. She told the doctor what she saw and the change that had come. And he said, I'll let him go home under one condition that he will be at a doctor's office in the morning, first thing, and they'll check him out totally. And under that condition, they released me and my son, and we headed for Mickey D's. Everybody say McDonald's. Hallelujah. And as soon as he got his Big, Big Mac and Coke down and French fries, he went home and slept like a baby. Got up the next morning. I kept my promise to the doctor. I took him to, actually, it, there was a walk-in clinic because we didn't have a family physician. God had been taking care of everything up until this point. And so we, we took, him, took him to a, a clinic. I told the clinic, the clinic got them to fax over the records from the hospital, the doctor at the clinic. He looked at what they were looking at. So he went looking for the problem, for an issue. For something to be wrong somewhere to produce that kind of data. And he sees my son is fine. I told him what happened. But people of science have a real problem with a supernatural God that actually answers prayer. Can you say amen? And you can't. They're people of science. We, 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 I got to see it to believe it. Wonderful thing about faith. It's not seeing is believing is not the way that works. Believing is seeing. Did not I say unto you, if thou would believe, thou shalt see the glory of God. When you believe, you're going to see. Logic and, and the natural world says seeing is believing. He said the unbeliever seeks a sign. I'm not going to give a sign. They're not going to see anything because they don't believe. But these signs shall follow them that believe. Praise God. I don't have to see a sign to believe I've got God's word on it. But if I stand on God's word, amen, I'm going to see an answer. 
and I saw the answer in my soul. I don't just talk this thing. I Listen, I don't just live on a mountaintop in a bubble where nothing touches me or my family. My faith wavers and my faith shakes, but my Father is faithful. The Word of God is true. The devil is a liar. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. And Jesus is Lord after all and of all. Please don't get down in the dumps this Christmas. Oh, please don't miss Jesus this Christmas. He came. What was the angel message? What was the angel message? What did the first angel him say to this world? Amen. Peace on earth. And with them was the host of heaven singing and saying, Peace. Say it with me. Peace on earth. Good will toward men. Someone came to offer us peace like the world did not know and will never know. Now, church signs are pretty goofy. I wish I'd have brought some of the goofy ones to you. But some of them make real sense. One of them I really loved. It says, no, N-O Christ, N-O peace, no peace. K-N-O-W Christ, K-N-O-W peace. I'm not talking about just getting saved. I'm talking about a relationship with God that you know Him enough to trust Him. And I was getting to know Him and learning to trust Him. Praise God. And I said, Lord, I'm so glad that I have you to call on. I'm so glad I took the three-minute trip around the hospital to reestablish my faith in you. And I'm so glad you loved me while my faith was wavering and you did not abandon me. And I thank you for the peace that I walked into that hospital with my son with, knowing these are good people and they may be able to help him. But if they say there's no hope for him, that is not the end because God is still in control because I've simply put my trust in him. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for, listen, rest in the Lord and rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him and he will bring it to the pass. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Peace allows patience. Patience allows you to wait. Waiting allows you to mount up in your faith. Praise God with wings as an eagle. And that weariness that sets in leaves you. I'm going on 73. And I've came so close to total burnout to where my body was overwhelmed. I look at some of you half, not half my age. Most of you are starting to age past half, you know. There's people in here a whole lot younger than me that's a whole lot tireder than me. Whole lot wore out me. Whole Whole lot wore thin than me and whole lot wore down than me. If I was your age, shoot. Can I say shoot in church? (laughs) If I was your age, oh, my Lord, with Jesus. If I was your age with Jesus, if I was your age with Jesus, I wouldn't look like you. I love you, but I honestly wouldn't look like you. I wouldn't look like I've been jerked through a knot hole backwards on Sunday morning. There should be some joy in you, some strength in you. 
They that wait upon the Lord shall what? Get wore so thin they're wore out. Get beat down, beleaguered, and beat up. No, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as an eagle. They're going to run and not be weary. I'm not talking about running out here a mile or two miles or three miles. Amen. My dog don't do that anymore. My dog's old as me in people years. My dog turned 10 sometime back. That means he's 70 plus. Amen. I took him out. He's so enthusiastic. He's so enthusiastic. Oh, he loves to go for a walk. He used, I used to walk him two and three miles, easy, fast. And, you know, that's when I told the vet, you know, the dog lost two pounds and I didn't lose any. And that's when the vet, that's when the vet told me, well, why don't you get down on all fours like he is and burn twice as many calories. And that's when I wanted to slap the vet. Amen. <laughs> I love the vet. He's a good guy. Amen. Had a big heart attack and he knows about all of these things. But anyway, we took off, and the dog wanted to keep going. And I was kind of concerned. I thought, you know, I can keep up with him because he's not pulling as fast as he usually does, getting old, but he's so enthusiastic. He wants to keep going. He never wants to go back. He wants to keep going. Problem is, the further you go, the longer it is to go back. So we just kept going and going, and I, I'm getting a little tired, and I'm looking. The dog is enthusiastic, and I said, come on, buddy. Let's go back. Let's go back. And he stops. This time he didn't argue with me. He turned around and he started back. And we get halfway back and he's slower. And, sl and I'm almost having to pull him and he's slower and he's slower and he's slower. And he only weighs about 35 pounds, but 30, 30 pounds. But I was already tired. I saw that I was going to have to drag his sorry self. Now, your chihuahua, you can stick in your pocket and go on back. But the one with the tumor, right? <laughs> they got chihuahua with big old tumor, but they love him, right? I'll tell you, God, God loves, you know, he loves us better than you love that dog. So that means warts and all. Can you say amen? I, I had to pick him up. I had to pick him up. And when I picked him up, it's like. And I put him up here and I'm holding him, walking with him. And he likes that. Yeah, we'll run out and you carry me back. And I thought, no, we're not going that far out no more, you old dog. No, we're not. You, you, we're not going to go that far anymore. Listen, I'm supposed to be burnt out. I'm supposed to be burnt out. I'm supposed to be retired three years ago. I'm supposed to be done with pastoring ministry and anything that would, would bring any kind of pressure on me. I'm supposed to be just kind of, you know, sitting here waiting on Jesus to come. But I have waited upon the Lord enough to know what's going to happen if I do. I'm going to mount up. Oh, listen, I'm not done yet, and God's not done with me. Amen. Because I got more energy than people half my age right now. It happened on my job when I was bivocational. I could outwork many of those young people because I was working with the joy and strength that God gave me. Amen. If you don't find God's peace, you're going to... Have you ever heard about worrying yourself to death? 
you will literally, they have found out that just gratitude alone, just what we should be doing as Christians every day of our life, gratitude alone, being thankful for what you have, it releases stuff in your body. The science is even there. That people that find something to thank God for every single day are healthier by far than people that always looking at the negative. Every day when I get up in the morning, I am so thankful. I say, God, you let me see another day. I declare and proclaim, this is the day the Lord has made. I will reach. It's a choice. Don't wait on your feelings to kick in. It's a choice. Make the choice to praise God anyway. What if that guy wasn't singing that that brought him comfort and consolation and indicated my trust is in the Lord? I'm a dead man if God doesn't come through, but my trust, whether he does or not, is in him because I have his peace right now. I have the peace that he'll deliver me or the peace that I'll go to him. But he was singing and that other Christian soldier from the other side recognized that peace, recognized that hymn of faith, and said, sing it again. Picked him up. He could have been killed if they found him fraternizing with the enemy. Put his life on the line. Peace in the midst of the storm. Peace in the midst of the battle. The shoes of peace, the preparation of the gospel of peace is not just the readiness to preach it, it's the faith to practice it. Because you can preach without peace. I did it. And what I preached was true. But you have to put your trust in the Lord totally to practice it. Amen. Hallelujah. So here we are in a generation when we're to be shining. For Jesus, his luminaries. And you put us out there and mingle us with the world. And they can't tell us apart. And I don't talk about your moral choices. I'm talking about your peace. I said, I'm not talking about your moral choices distinguishing you. That's just a part of it. But you know what really attracts their attention? When you got peace in the midst of all the troubles and trials of life. And you found it in Christ. They recognize it. It grabs. And joy. Look at what's happening in our politics. Look at what's happening in the Christian community. You're talking about polarization. The church is polarizing because you're going to stand here. You're going to stand there. But you can't get. You can't stay on the fence no more and call yourself a Christian. Can you say amen? Christians who once stayed close to God now have put on Saul's armor facing giants with armor that will fail in the day of battle. Old rusty, crusty faith that hasn't been used in ages trying to pull it out, put WD-40 on it and try to get it to operate when we face our giants. The reason David could face a giant is because his faith was current. It was in practice. It was in operation. I've slain the lion. 
through the anointing of the Spirit of God. I've slain the bear through the anointing of the Spirit. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defies the armies of the living God? And instead of running from him, he ran at him. That must have surprised him. Can you say, man, he had never experienced that until a shepherd boy with a sling come running at him, hollering to the top of his lungs, you come at me with a sword and spear. I come at you in the name of the Lord God of Israel. Somebody's going to fall today. In fact, he did. Do you know what his confession was? You want to hear the rest of David's confession? Amen. I'm going to slay you today. You're not going to slay me. There was two confessions. You know what the giant said? He said, I'm going to, said, I asked for a man, you give me a boy. He's trying to humiliate him, degrade him, just like the devil wants to do you. You ain't nobody. You ain't got no faith. You ain't got no business down here fighting me. Amen. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to feed your carcass to the fowls of the air. I want a man, you send me a boy. That's fine with me. I'm going to kill him. David said, no. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to win before the fight starts. Are you waiting until the fight's over to see if you won? Let me give you a scripture and insight. Sure has helped me. Hope it helps you today before we close. You say, Brother Ben, why aren't you talking about a manger? Because I'm in a battle. I don't know about you. Amen. I'm not trying to be sentimental today. I want victory. I'm tired of this victim attitude among God's people, aren't you? I'm not a victim of the devil's designs. I'm not a victim, uh, amen, of sin's consequences. I'm, I'm not a victim of this godless world. I'm a victor in Jesus Christ today. I represent a great king and a wonderful kingdom. Can you say amen? I've been through battles. I am battle scarred. But that incident with my son taught me something. Don't give up on God even when you can't take it anymore. Can you say, man, he is faithful. He loves you. And if you just flat out won't give up on him, he'll come through. Amen. You have need of patience. Hebrews 10 and verse 32, the pressure is on that church. The persecutions are coming. He said, here's what you need to come through it with victory. You have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Listen, this is where the devil wants to interrupt the process. Cast not away your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For he that shall come will come, and he will not tarry. When God answered that prayer, it wasn't back at home. It was in the emergency room. It wasn't on the way to the hospital. It was in the hospital. Amen. But when he came through, he did it instantly, and he did it completely. Let me finish the story. The doctor took every test. He, he examined because he's looking at the data from the hospital before God did it, and now we're in the after God did it. And he came out, and he said, Sir, can I speak to you? And I said, Yes, sir, you can. He said, sir, I'm, I'm sorry. He was so disappointed. He couldn't find anything. And he was telling me, sir, I'm sorry. We, we couldn't find anything. And I patted him on the shoulder. They're there now. I'm serious. I, pat, I said, it's okay, doctor. I didn't expect you to find anything. 
You're off the hook. You're a good doctor. You're a good doctor. Can you say man? You know why he didn't find anything? Because God did it in the emergency room, laying there instantly. Cast not away your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward, for he that shall come will come, and he will not tarry. God instantly healed my son completely, and they couldn't find it because it's gone. And from that day to this, he's never had that problem again. And he's going on 47. I said he's going on 47. My youngest. So if you expect me to come in and just say, well, let's just all just kind of wait on Jesus and go with the flow. Start singing that great old hymn. Oh, when the saints come dragging in. Can you say, man? Oh, when the saints come dragging in. Oh, Lord, I don't want to be in the number when the saints of God come dragging in. Beleaguered, befuddled, berated, beaten down, defeated. The joy, see, without peace, You can't stand your ground. The shield will take it all if you stand. See, what's the whole purpose of the armor? Having done all, stand. And what did the hobnail boot of the Roman soldier give him? Stability. Everybody say stability. 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 After... You have suffered for a while. You grow through these things. You either give up on God or you dig in and you, as Trump says, double down. Amen. You double down. There's a point in your life you need to double down on what you believe. Can you say amen? And don't let the devil shove you anymore. Hallelujah. You double down. You, my wife is doubling down. I'm watching her double down. She used to question me being a little bit too far into faith. She don't do that no more. She's glad to see it working in me. Can you say, man? One day she said, honey, I'm worried about you. You, you, you need to do this and that and the other. And, and when it hit me, just the thought of putting myself totally in the hands of man, I started crying. Tears begin to run down my cheeks. And I says, honey, if I can't trust God, if I cannot trust God, if God is not trustworthy and I can't trust him, I have no one. I'm terrified. I'm serious. Fear will grip me if I didn't trust the Lord. Because in this fallen world, without God, the Bible said we're without hope. And you know why we're hopeless? Because we're helpless. But there's nothing impossible with God. Hallelujah. We are never hopeless because we are never helpless. He is with us. And he told David, I'll be with him in trouble. Troubles are going to continue to come. But they're not going to overwhelm him because I'm going to be with him. And he's promised to be with us just like that. 
You know what gave Joshua courage as we close? He was so overwhelmed by the thought of having the pressure on him that was on Moses and saw that Moses actually asked God to take him home till God gave him a wisdom solution. <laughs> he said, he said, Joshua, Joshua, as I was with Moses, so I shall be with you. Be strong and of good courage. What makes us strong and courageous? The promise of the presence of God, Emmanuel, God with us. Can you say amen? How many would like to have a victorious life? How many would like a testimony that it just isn't correct theology from the word? But how many would like the word to work and manifest in your life? My wife said, I got, I, I, I'm looking for something. I'm not, I don't listen until I see something in people. Some people say it this way. Your life is speaking so loud. When you start quoting scripture, I'm, I can't hear a word you're saying. But if your life is lining up, and I don't think moral choices are right there in the mix. But this is beyond the moral cho choices. This is about peace and joy. When you go through trials and tests, and when people see it, they grab hold of it. It sets you apart, particularly in these last days, marked by men's hearts failing them for fear and looking upon the things which are coming upon the earth. We're going to see the same things with perfect peace in our heart, and it's going to set us apart. When you see these things come to pass through the lens of the soon coming of Jesus and the presence of God with us till he comes, lift. Everybody say a faith lift. You don't, that's the chip tooth version. Can you say amen? But it's true, isn't it? How many need a faith lift? Did you know if you get a faith lift, you'll also get a face lift? For free as a bonus. Did you? I'm glad to hear somebody laughing. I mean, we're not a laughable. We might. I started to say we're not a laughable crowd, but we're not a happy bunch here at Christmas. Come on. Don't look at me like you think that you could fool me. <laughs> Come on. Your face talks volumes. Amen. When you look at the floor when I say certain things, I say, if you can't make eye contact, you've you got a problem. And it ain't with me. It's with him. You need to get that settled. Because when it's settled with him, there's joy. There's peace. There's love. Hallelujah. When you get a faith lift, you will get a face lift. David said to himself, and I pray you'll say this to yourself as we close, because I can't make you be happy, can't make you be joyous, can't make you love anybody. But it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit when he's free to work in your life. I can't give you victory, but I can give you the principles to apply so victory can come. And I can be an example to the flock because 
Wherever you are, the longer I live, the more I go through. Second year without my son, I miss him. There's nothing nobody could give me more important to have him one more time. When I saw him laying in that bed and I saw he wasn't there. I saw his body laying in that bed. And my first thought, and I told him I loved him. Every time we hung up the phone, I told him I loved him. But you know how this works? I wanted to say it. I wanted to look in his eyes, not over the phone. I wanted him to know. I wanted to look, Mike. I wanted to look in Alan's eyes and say, son, I can't always agree with you and never have, never will, because we're different in so many different areas. But, son, I love you so much. There's nothing that nobody could give me more important than just having my son just for those 15 seconds of connection before he went. I'd love to have done that. But when I get to heaven, I'm going to hug him forever. Can you say man? I said I'm going to hug him forever. And we'll be one because we'll all be in that unity. So, here's a question only you can answer and only you can ask. So, why art thou disquieted within me? Why are you like the troubled sea? Well, your soul is going to answer and say, because of this and this and this and this, and give you the list of pressures and problems and circumstances. And if you justify that with your circumstances, God can't take you through it or deliver you from it. But if you say, you know, but how about God? How about God? Is God irrelevant? Is God impotent? Is God aloof in his heaven? No, he's here with us. Where two or more of you gather together in my name, where is he? Let's locate him. Let's get your mind off the throne right now in heaven. Where is he? Two or more in my name. Where is God? In the midst? You mean you're that close to him? You mean he's that close to you? You mean this is real? He's not up there. He's not out there. There's a beautiful sentimental song I can't sing anymore. Because it makes me want to cry out of despair. Standing somewhere in the shadows. He's not here. If he was here, he'd help me. But he cares. He sympathizes. Standing somewhere in the shadows, you'll find Jesus. No, you won't. He's the only one that cares and understands. Standing somewhere, I don't know where he is, but he sure is sympathizing with poor old me. Poor, poor, pitiful me. Where's your eyes on? Him in the midst or yourself? It's on yourself. If you don't get your eyes off yourself, you can't put your eyes on him. So, David said, I feel this way, but I ought not feel this way. So, I'm going to do something about this. So, why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou 
in God. Didn't I tell you faith lift will give you a facelift? Listen to the facelift. I'm not just being facetious. I got Bible for this stuff. So why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for he shall yet be the health of thy countenance. You know what that means? When my soul is wounded and when I'm not lost my hope in God, that glad anticipation of future good, I am cast down. But when I put my hope in God, he lifts me up and my countenance shows the difference in my life than the people about me that are without hope and without God. Amen. And I want my countenance to show that. So I go into Publix and some young man comes running up to me that works in Publix and and he says, Bob, glad to see you. And I always say, I'm glad to be seen. And we connect. They give me ice cream so tall that I have to almost hold them up to keep them from falling. Dollar ice cream from Hardee's that look like it's going to fall out of the cone because I'm smiling in the line. And I'm not trying to be happy. I am happy. It's not a put on. It's for Rizzle. Yeah, ladies, the store we frequent, she come out from behind the counter. Yeah, you reach to hug her. And so she come out from behind the counter and grab my wife. And they were standing there hugging. Praise God, right in the middle of everything. This is the love of God. I'm telling you, there's so much good stuff in the kingdom of God. It's not like this old uncaring world out here. And they're there hugging. So I ran around the counter. And I, right after that lady turned her loose, I grabbed her and hugged her. And the lady looked at her and said, he's just jealous. (laughs) Hallelujah. Well, it's about time that a grumpy old man wasn't standing there impatiently trying to get his wife to come on. It's about time that somebody had some Christian joy. It's about time. Listen, I have somebody with me to share my heavy load. I feel his presence near me every day. Though trouble overtake me on life's weary, dreary road, I have somebody with me all the way. And it's that presence and that person that gives you the peace to wait. And when you wait... You get lifted up and you mount up. Praise God. Did you know how eagles, I got to hurry. What time is it? Does anybody, it's time to quit. You know how eagles weather their storms? By running from it? No. You know what they do? They faced the fierce winds. They have a locking mechanism in their wings. And they lock their wings toward the wind. And the aerodynamic force, the winds give them lift. And without flapping, they mount up. They keep mounting up and mounting up. And wings as an eagle, did it say that? These kind of wings, they're locked toward the wind. And they're mounting. 
they're going higher and higher and higher and higher. And there is a place when they are above the storm. Now they're going to have to flap. (laughs) And they're looking down on all that lightning and thunder and wind and saying, so it's nice to be an eagle. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. <laughs> they wrote a poem a farmer wrote a good poem and i got to close with it it's a good poem because an eagle had 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 fallen out of a nest and and this farmer rescued it he put it in with with the ducks and the chickens and fed it until it began to grow And it was perfectly happy to be in there with the ducks and chickens waddling around in barnyard muck. That was part of the poem. He said he watched that eagle and he watched that eagle just eating with them, waddling around with them. But one day it began to occur. The nature of the eagle is not to be an earth bound, duck-waddling, muck-living creature. He's designed for the heights. He's designed for the air. God built him to fly high, mount up. Somebody say mount up. And he said, he said he tried to think what the eagle must have been thinking the day that it occurred to him, the day it hit him. I am not supposed to be waddling like a duck in barnyard muck. Sometimes when I look up and my eye sees the the blue sky, I say to myself, there's where I'm supposed to fly. And the day came when that eagle took that look up and took off and mounted up made one circle, looked back down on the waddling ducks and the hens in the barnyard muck and took off. Hallelujah. You know what God wants to do with his church? Come on. I'm talking about Bible-quoting, Bible-toting people, amen, that are still waddling in the muck like a barnyard duck. Somebody say, if it looks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, if it waddles like a duck, it's a duck. Can you say amen? Come on. If, if you want to have a testimony, you can't keep looking like and acting like a duck. <laughs> Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Because people are going to assume you are. And they're not going to want what you got because that's what they got. But if you show them you've got something and you've got someone with you, They ain't got it. They'll listen to your testimony because they see it in your life. Praise God. Did you get anything out of this teaching today? Are you challenged? Praise God. Hallelujah. Will you stand to your feet today? Christmas 2019. This is a year for revival for those who will receive it. I will never go back to just trying to put salve 
on cancers that need to be cut out. Amen? We need, we need a revival. And we need it desperately. Because when revival comes to us, then we can be a witness to the world about us. And we will win souls without trying. Because we will become like a city that is set on a hill which cannot be hid. And brother, will you come and put this in and see if we can get that song to play in leaving? And, and I appreciate it so much. Listen to me carefully. I'm not trying to be mean. Jesus is coming soon. If we don't get it done now, it's our last opportunity. He won't need us to be witnesses for him in heaven. But boy, he needs us to be a witness for him here and now. The last day harvest is on. And the reason I haven't retired is because I feel a fire in my bones. And I know I'm supposed to be part of it. Amen. You told me last week you were glad I wasn't retired and wasn't in heaven. You're glad I was able to come and pray with you and pray for you. Well, I'm glad too. And hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Everybody say no more barnyard muck for me.